Content warning. Tone Deaf is rated explicit for mature content and strong language. Spoilers are in every episode, so if you haven't seen the shows we are reviewing, you can always check back in later with us. We'll be here when you get back. guide for their musically challenged spouse. I'm Kay, a musical theater nerd. And I'm Warren. I'm musically challenged. And we've got an extra special guest today. We have Ned Donovan from Encounter Party, as well as uh, from The Hunted Encore, which I still am freaking out about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so thank you so much for joining us, Ned. We Hi. are here to- we're so excited to have you. I'm very excited to be here, and I think it's the first time anyone's described me as extra special. So that's exciting to me. Oh, you're very extra special. Like, yeah. Uh, we were, it was so funny, though. Like, we were nerding out when we were watching the Hunted Encore and stuff and just being like, we we know that guy. We know him. We, we know him. I, so, uh, I have this very specific rule in life, which is when you produce your own content and you do it under production company names that you get to take your name off the content, then when you hire yourself, you get to look like a way cooler actor than you are. <laughs> hey, I mean, that's, 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 that makes sense. That's, there's logic behind that. I yes. approve of that because if I had something, it'd just be the Warren Company produced by Warren, directed by Warren. <laughs> I mean, our award show is called The Warrens, so... Nailed it. I mean, look, you've now said it enough that I feel like your production company has to be Warren Peace, and then it's just you giving the middle finger to a Tolstoy picture. <laughs> oh my god, that's brilliant. That's fantastic. That would That's just me all over, too. It's like, we need to love all... We need to all love one another and learn to get along, but fuck this asshole right over but here. Like this guy who wrote the book about it, that guy sucks. <laughs> Yes. Oh, so thank you so much again for joining us, Ned. And uh, I, I really wanted to know, how did you come to learn about Guys of Ice and then direct us to it? So uh, I, I uh, spent most of my career as a professional musical theater actor all over the country. And one of the theaters that I worked at a lot uh, is called The Fireside in Fort Atkinson, Wisconsin. Big fan of them. Hi, guys, if you're listening. And um, I worked with them first in 2012, and then they brought me back at the end of 2013. And then um, in 2014, I had been doing a production of White Christmas, and I came back to New York where I had a really good side gig that allowed me to pay my bills, which is rare when you're an actor in New York, and it wasn't a restaurant, which meant that I wasn't working terrible hours. And um, like a week after I got back, the company fired all of us, and I found myself like very broke and very without a job and really not sure what I was going to be doing with my life at that exact moment. And I went to an audition for... Uh, all shook up uh, at the fireside. Um, and I desperately wanted to be, um, I desperately wanted to be in All Shook Up. It's one of my favorite musicals of all time. And uh, while I was there, I, w- I auditioned and the artistic director, Ed Flesh, looked at me and he was like, hey, what are you doing right now? And I was <laughs> like, what? And he was like, like right now, are you employed? And I was like, I'm remarkably 
unemployed. <laughs> and he was like, how quickly could you be on a plane? And I was like, tomorrow? And he was like, that's the right answer. <laughs> and so that weekend, I got offered the male understudy to all three dudes in the Wizard of Oz at Fireside and a role in the ensemble with a guaranteed Tin Man performance. And so I flew out to Wisconsin out of nowhere on a 10-week contract, which was great for me because I was like, that's 10 weeks. I don't have to worry about the fact that I'm so broke in New York. <laughs> and uh, I got to to there, and uh, right at the end of the rehearsal process, I got offered all shook up. So my contract got extended from a 10-week contract to a 20-week contract. Um, and then uh, uh, so I was like, great, I'm going to be here through the spring. Everything's awesome. And now fast forward to like rehearsals for All Shook Up and they were doing later in the fall West Side Story. Now, um, I probably shouldn't be in a production of West Side Story. I uh, am very Irish and French and uh, I look like I walked out of Dublin and um, but without the positive traits to that. And uh, I... But I had had been asked to audition, so I was prepping my audition and singing songs. And I and I asked the company, I was like, "Hey, um, when are the auditions for West Side Story? Because you know we're all going to be going back to New York not too long from now, and I want to, you know, if we're going to know what's happening, I'd love to audition while I'm here." And the artistic director was like, "Well, what are you worried about? You're you're not going anywhere." And I was like, "What? Yeah, my contract's up." And he was like, well, we need an offstage understudy for Guys on Ice. And I was like, okay, we should talk about that. And then we didn't talk about that. And so I was like, cool. And so then I asked again, like, when are the West Side Story auditions going to be? And he was like, what does it matter? You're going to be here. And I was like, why? <laughs> <laughs> why am I going to be here? And then we never talked about it. And then, like, a little later, he was like, hey, I have a contract for you for Guys on Ice. And I was like... Okay, but we still haven't talked about what <laughs> what is guys on ice? And he was like, "Oh." And he like took me through this show. And I was like, "And what are you offering me?" And he was like, "Uh it's the offstage understudy to all three of the guys." And I was like, "So I don't perform?" And he's like, "No, you you you're just kind of on call. You have one understudy rehearsal a week." And I did the math and it was going to get me to the perfect amount of weeks for me to earn entrance into the theater union, the Actors' Equity Association. Nice. And so I was like, screw it. I'll take 10 more weeks in Wisconsin to just, like, hang out, I guess. And <laughs> uh, so the Fireside has two cast houses, and I'd lived there many times, and I lived there with a lot of people, right? Because I'm doing 20, 30 people shows. I don't know if you noticed, but Guys on Ice is four peop three people. And yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, they hired three locals. So <laughs> what ended up happening was I was the only out of out of area actor. And I lived by myself in a 10 person cast house, not performing for 10 weeks because none of the guys ever called out <laughs> and uh, just got my equity card. And that's how I learned about guys on ice. <laughs> hey, it sounds like you got a 10 week uh vacation i got a 10 week <laughs> vacation i had 10 yeah. weeks where i had to show up at the theater at half hour at 
uh, at the overture, I was cleared to leave. I had to stay within 15 minutes of the theater, but I didn't have a car because I'm from New York and they don't rent you a car at the theater. So I just like biked everywhere. So I just had to stay within a 15 minute bike of the theater. And my gym was a 15 minute bike from the theater. So I would just like go to the theater, check in. The show would start. I'd like wave goodbye to the to the stage management crew who I had spent the previous 20 weeks working with very closely. And then I would just like go to the gym and hope that no one got hurt. <laughs> and uh, that, that was my contract. And once a week on Wednesdays, I had to, uh, to come do an understudy rehearsal where I performed all three roles for an entire oh, run. Oh my God. So I do have a question about that. Do you do you just stand in one like do you do you literally play all three people and do you just look like a schizophrenic having a conversation with yourself? Like so the, what, how does that work? The first time we did the show, yes. Uh uh and the way it worked was one of the stage managers, Casey Steinbeck, hey Casey, if you're listening, uh, she would come and be she would stand in the place of whatever character I had to interact with in that scene. And I would do both sets of lines from wherever I was standing. And I would only walk the track of one of the characters. Um, and then I would do it over and over again. So I would have basically run the show three times. And then I was oh. like, guys, this is terrible. Can we not do this? So then it was, I started doing understudy rehearsals twice a week, but I would just do one role and I would just alternate each time so like i'd come in once as one guy once as the other and then the first rehearsal of the next week i'd do the third character and then we'd do it all over again until the show was done yeah i was gonna wow. say because it you know the show's you know about an hour so it's like if you're running well it probably doesn't take i don't know i don't know how long it would take to run the show with one it, character it was like three a times. three hour marathon yeah it was oh, like yeah. it was like doing jean valjean but for nobody and for no purpose <laughs> okay totally gets that and i'm just like what about Johnny Be Good? Like, uh, oh, God. John, shout out to Johnny Be Good. <laughs> Remember when they made a movie that everyone loved that said that white people wrote Johnny Be Good and we were all supposed to be okay with it? Shout out to oh, Back hey. in the Day. <laughs> so, uh, in our in our Lay Miz episode, I don't call anybody by their name because it's French and I don't mesh well with French words. Uh, so, John Valjean is is just Johnny Be Good to me. Uh, shout out for another episode you have to do. Please add a bonus episode of uh, Les Miseranimals, the Animaniacs parody of Les Mis. Yes, yes. We're what? actually thinking of doing a whole thing on Animaniacs anyway, because it, it's musical theater. Did I, I must have missed that episode back in the day. It's you, so did, good. you did not. You just didn't know what it was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's probably the case. It's, it's like the West Side Story one. With it's, a, it's a Rita and Runt feathers. episode. Yeah. And read, it's a mashup of Les Mis and Sweeney Todd about a French yes. baker baking cats into pies. It's so that good. That sounds amazing. And then they get freed by Runt Val Runt. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I love that. Right? Oh, my God. Oh, Animaniacs. Oh, love Animaniacs. Oh, <sighs> I've already so tangented us twice. Sorry, gang. <laughs> hey, it's I mean, okay. we we are tangent the podcast that occasionally talks about musical theater. Yes. So. Mm, yes. But that's that's a very wild and intricate story of how you came to know Guys on Ice. I yeah. talk about it all the time to this day. Uh, 
Because I talk about it, I would like to preface this by saying I had a wonderful contract. I loved absolutely everyone I got to work with, including Steve Kohler. Kaler? I don't remember how to pronounce his last name. Sorry, Steve. But he was in the video version you saw. He played the same role in my production. Um, And uh, 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 I loved everything about the contract. I found myself stumped at times, I will be honest, because I was raised as like, a fancy musical theater boy from like one of those conservatories where you take art very seriously. And I had done once upon a mattress at this same theater in one of the greatest productions I've ever had the pleasure of being a part of. And it didn't sell very well. Uh, oh. We and, and that was hard. We had performances where we were performing to like a 15% audience of like a sleeping tour bus group, but guys on ice sold it like a 99% capacity. <laughs> And uh, uh, it is a large, I think roughly 600 seat in the round theater. And it was wild to me to be in a production of a show that like my bougie ass was like sitting there being like, guys on ice is like a weird parody theater, but it's not the theater. And having it be the most (laughs) successful thing I'd ever been a part of. uh, That was was a wild, humbling moment for me. I can imagine. I can imagine. Because I, same kind of thing when we were watching uh, the movie initially, you know, it's, it's kind of does this intro and it just interviews with, with the, the cast and stuff and uh, some of the audience and people talking about that. They see it, the show every year, they've seen Mm -hmm. it for 15 years and, and just how much they love this show and they bring the whole family, you know, Oh my, my granddaughter is in the front seat, you know, the front row. And, and, uh, it was baffling to me. I feel like, I don't know. I, I just ice fishing is such <laughs> an interesting premise. I mean, granted it makes more sense that it's, it's uh, what is it? Waiting for waiting Godot. for Godot. Waiting for Godot. Yes. Which but, like, it's never addressed anywhere. Like when no. you license the show, it doesn't say it's waiting for Godot. I, I have questions. <laughs> As an artist about that choice. That being said, I think it is proof positive to the power of not just regional theater, but writing Mm -hmm. content that's not intended for a global audience. Like you have to sort of, when you write for a global audience, everything gets so vanilla sometimes. Like you can't really make intricate, very specific art because like very specific is contingent on the culture you're talking to being understanding that specific and so like a lot of times you get these like tentpole things that are like full of of adventure but not heart and like guys on ice is proof of the opposite like if you just create a piece of art that is hyper focused on a very regional space it can be unbelievably successful yeah it's like saturday's foyer i was just about to bring that up yeah (laughs) you want to talk that yeah so to preface there is a mormon musical Oh, sure. I don't know if you've heard of it called Saturday's Warrior. I have it. But it's... I do know the Mormon musicals of upstate New York, so I understand conceptually. <laughs> yeah, it is a interesting show. I don't want to give spoilers cuz we're going to try to cover the original VHS version of it next year cuz I found it again. Oh boy. Is it one of those <laughs> massive budget spectacle musicals that are done by religious groups sometimes? <sighs> It's it's a pretty low budget one, but it's every Mormon knows about it. And oh, they sure. did do a remake a couple of years ago that just 
it it took all the heart out of it because sure. it is it's one of those shows that it almost converted me. Oh sure. <laughs> oh, so it's propaganda. Gotcha. It's uh, propaganda. Yeah, 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 yeah. They, they made the wise choice of having Heavenly Mother be black, oh. and me being a little black kid watching it went, "Oh, you don't hate me." <laughs> <laughs> How much I was fooled. But um, we have this theater company in Salt Lake City called Salt Lake Acting Company, and they're sort of the subversive theater company here. So like they allow you to bring alcohol into the theater. They do picnics. They do a lot of uh, LGBT positive plays. They do a lot of last year. They did a couple of heavily black cast plays. Um, And every year up until this year because of coronavirus and last year it turns out was the last year they were going to do it they would do this variety show kind of called Saturday's Voyeur and it was sort of a satire at things that were going on in Utah at the time either politics or culture or what have you last year it was very much um like a bird box parody. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But with uh dealing with Trumpism and uh they had a great little song about uh correct pronouns for non-binary people and stuff cuz that was in fact that was the first year that they included non-binary cast members and were like, "Hey, we have non-binary cast members." And um, but it's a very regional show and it's very popular. <laughs> I am bummed that last year was the last year they planned on doing it because yeah. I absolutely love watching them punch up at the, at the theocracy. <laughs> at the theocracy. So, uh, that... but it was a musical that they would do every year. And, uh, sometimes they would add in original music. Usually it was parodies, but that one it would change every year to be something new doesn't um, uh isn't pioneer out in salt lake city pioneer theater yes company it is yeah i've auditioned for them a few times yeah they're they're an interesting theater company did you Poppy. work with them i didn't okay. i auditioned for them once but they i don't know that i was old enough for any of the parts in the show because it was that period of time where i could look like i was 20 even though Uh, i was 14 yes and then it flipped and now i look 14 even though i'm 20 even though i'm 30 32 how i have i haven't haven't looked 14 since i was like nine uh (laughs) i made my entire career through school playing all the adults and then i graduated and went into a career of understudy to adults while appearing as a air quote teenager in the ensemble uh mm-hmm. i've had a hairline since i was like 12 so it really put the kibosh on my like <laughs> look in 20s ages and i'd always they'd always be like we need you to look 23 and i'd be like i am 23 <laughs> like i look like a 23 year old because i am one Oh, God. <laughs> and they never accepted that as an excuse. <laughs> God, I feel that. I feel that so hard. 
Like, what do you mean I don't look 23? I am 23. Therefore, 23-year-olds look like this. Anyway. I see 23-year-olds don't look like 23-year-olds on stage. You got to get 43-year-olds. Side tangent. Twice now I've been in final rounds for like TV roles that end up going to like in my third or second or third rounds of callbacks, they rewrite the role to be like 20 years older. So I was up for this, this TV show that'll go unnamed, but I played like a mob member who was in jail. And so I, in my first one I went through and it was really great. And I used to do stunts. So like I was like in a good spot for like the fight scene. And then they were, I came back and they were like, okay, so update the character now has a 16 year old son and you're a 25 year veteran of the mob. And I was like, I'm 27 years old. <laughs> like, oh my like, God. In what world should I play this character anymore? <laughs> and it happened twice. Like both times they were like, okay, so now you are, um, we, you, you have a kid. I'm like, cool. How old are they? And they're like late high school. And I'll be like, I'm six years out of high school. So like, there's a math problem. Oh my God. (laughs) Hollywood is weird. Yeah. (laughs) That's fantastic. Oh my God. But yeah, no, it, it was, it was one of those things that, uh, it, it definitely is like regional theater does can do so remarkably well you're you're completely right on that that like zeroing in on something that just that region gets because we we have that with utah with stuff that only utahns get is wildly successful here book of mormon was surprisingly successful here. Yeah, because not only did it punch <laughs> up at Mormons, but it had a bunch of in-jokes for Mormons that only Mormons yes. were going to get. Well, yes. also just, you know, uh, and also just people who live in the culture that aren't Mormon, because that was a thing too. And it was funny is going to see that in Utah and and the, the church putting ads in there being like, you've seen the show, now read the book. And yeah. We're just like, uh-huh. Well, like, good for <laughs> them also, like, shoot your shot. Yep. Yeah, I mean, why not? They're, they're taking out multiple full page ads but yeah uh okay so now that we've we've had our wonderful talk with ned i think that we should take a quick break to thank our wonderful patrons before we get into my poorly worded notes about this ice ice fishing extravaganza (laughs) all right let's let's go and then we'll be back to uh have warren present his book report to ned be telling you be gentle. <laughs> hey, Warren. Hey, Kay. Do you know what time it is? Is it time to thank our favorite people in the whole world? Heck yeah. Today, we would like to thank our stage crew sponsor, Jasmine Wu. And our producer circle sponsors, Bianucci, Reagan, and Taylor Brandt. Thank you all so much for your support of our show. We truly appreciate it. Many hundreds of years ago, in the faraway land of the North, there dwelt a special kind of magic. The magic of imagination. And nowhere did this light shine brighter than in the heart of a kindly toy maker named Nicholas Kringle. The toy maker loved children, most of all his own son, whom he named Chris. But the land was ruled by a wicked snow queen. You cannot escape from me, Tollmaker's son. I assure you, young Master Kringle, we elves are very real. 
and we shall teach you to make toys which will bring happiness to children all over the world. Young Santa Claus and the Winter Solstice, written and directed by Patrick and Paul Gibbs. And now, the lights are going down and the music's starting back up, so let's head back to the second act of our show. And now, what did you think of Guys on Ice, Warren? I enjoyed it, and I didn't think I would. No, I saw that coming. I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I thought you were going to love this. I, I was surprised how much I enjoyed it because... Uh, just the fact that I mean I'm I'm fine with small cast shows. There's nothing uh, uh, you know, off putting about that. Mm-hmm. But just the fact that it was ice fishing, I was like, I'm not much of a fisherman. I go with Kay fishing to like keep them company. And now that we have a dog, it'll be to walk the dog around. Yeah. But Kay's the fisher out of the two of us, and I was just kind of like, so these guys are sitting in a box fishing through the ice and waiting for a TV personality who may cool. or may not be named Godot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, it, it was surprised how charming the show was. Uh, and it made me laugh. Uh, there's plenty of, of Wisconsin humor that I am not privy to mm-hmm. uh, for obvious reasons, but I had to it, do a ton of research. I was reading the script and I would go to like locals at the bar and be like, can someone explain what's happening so like how was that were people uh more than happy to share that information with you or were they like no let me tell you small small town theaters i there's no better place to be an actor because one like people think you're royalty and i really appreciate them for that but i'll like go to the bar to watch football and they'll be like you watch football like i do and i'm like yeah and i'm also broke like you are like both of those are true uh uh but yeah i i they were all great like they would they would take me through the jokes or like i'd let them read something and they'd start laughing and i'd be like cool why are you laughing why Uh, is that funny (laughs) i don't understand uh so so it was it was great but it definitely like look i'm i'm a i'm a maine boy so like i'm a new englander through and through i am not a new yorker but like maine and wisconsin despite having similar latitudes don't have similar cultures yeah very different. <laughs> I am so not worldly. I probably need to travel this country a little bit more and and see the culture because I just I I don't leave the house, especially this year. <laughs> well, there's a pandemic. Yeah. Even before then, I just I'm not K K. It's a good thing that K has traveled the world before they met me because <laughs> it's back and forth between the computer and the couch for me so <laughs> like when mama k and i kidnapped you and took you to provo one day and then took you up to brigham city yeah, i haven't even been around the my own state that much i'm just like well i uh, I'm, I'm what you call indoorsy sure which is okay <laughs> so our show opens up as a harmonica serenades us as we see a painted background of a frozen lake with scattered little shacks. We are then treated to a behind-the-scenes montage of people creating the sets and rehearsing the show. We learn that it's a Wisconsin tradition and a beloved local production. 
As the show begins, we have a weather report on the radio stating that the ice is thick and the roads are slick, so be careful out there. As the weather report ends, one of our unknown at this point main characters tells the audience that when there is snow everywhere, he likes nothing better than to grab his pole and stick it in the wishing hole. This wishing hole is apparently the best place in all of the Midwest. Who needs church when you're catching a perch? Our second main character wakes up and complains about his wife, his life, his thinning hair, and his uh, plumping midsection. Which, I mean, I can agree with a couple of those things. (laughs) Our two main characters seem to have conflicting points of view on life as it's, and its many, many joys. Lloyd and Marvin, they are called. Lloyd is the pessimist and Marvin is the pole in the... And Marvin is the pole in the cold hole enthusiast. I just want to pause real quick and say that I have the, the dumbest smile plastered on my face, which is... I am so glad. ...how good this show is like i have such fond memories i didn't realize i had but the moment my head started going there's a place that i go when the world <laughs> deep in snow buy some bait grab my pole head out to the wishing hole i immediately was like oh my god i love this keep going right it's just it's so the show good. was so charming i it's i so did not nice. expect it to be as yes. charming as it was. Yes. Ugh, just I oh forgot their names. Spoilers. I literally haven't seen what you're talking about. I only know my production. Uh, <laughs> so I forgot their names. I don't have the script anymore, so I couldn't like do a refresher. So I'm actually like relearning the show through your eyes, and that is glorious. <laughs> you know what's funny is is thinking about it. Uh, I bet you probably played a hilarious. Uh, uh, Mooch, Moocher, Ernie, 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 the, Ernie the Mooch. Yes, which uh, I just referred him as Mooch in my notes. <laughs> Ernie the Mooch was hard for me because I don't play instruments, and uh, I can I figured out the harmonica, but uh, uh, I, uh, our our version, Paul Helm, is a extremely talented and beloved music director who plays like twelve instruments, and as Ernie the oh, Mooch played the wow. accordion, and I was like, you guys know if I go on for that role. I'm not going to play this, right? We don't have an orchestra. (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. Oh, God. Okay. Now, now when I, now when I, oh, yes, Latte wants to come say hi to Ned. Hello. (laughs) Okay. So we've now met Marvin and Lloyd. Lloyd is played by Steve Kaler, Kohler Kaler, who was in my production as Lloyd as well. Okay, so okay. that's the same one. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so <clears throat> Marvin calls Lloyd to talk about the Green Bay Packers. And also, Marvin is apparently going to be guesting on a TV show that he wants his bestest buddy Lloyd to be on there with him. Even though Lloyd was trash-talking the host of the show with such slanderous accusations as, he doesn't even fish those fish on his show. Notice how they're not moving when he pulls them out. <laughs> but Lloyd still seems titillated by the prospect of being on TV airing right before Wheel of Fortune and Vanna. Lloyd quickly quits pitching his tent when Marvin asks if Lloyd needs to consult his wife first. Marvin doesn't want to upset the balance, and based on context, Lloyd's ball and chain seems to keep a tight hold on him. So, I just, I don't know, that part tickled me when they're just initially, uh, he's like, it's going to be on before Wheel of Fortune. On the TV. On the TV. TV. And Vanna. Just... (laughs) I love that accusation, though. Yes, he doesn't even fish those fish himself. I used to watch those shows. (laughs) 
I think and they then, catched them in advance and then put them back there in the water. Yes. You see, they exactly. That's how I would feel. Yeah. They're like, you can't tell me how you to fish when really you didn't even fish that. that fish you said you fished. You've got, no, they've got that the, the, the stagehands that are going to do the fishing for them. It's like you see the baking shows or somebody else baked that. Yeah, that's my Midwesterner. I don't know what the hell that kind I, of accent. Uh, was. I apologize to the Midwest on behalf <laughs> of Warren. And this is why I keep telling Warren we are Mountain West, not Midwest. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. I have to remember to say the T's when I say Mountain. Yes. You don't just go with Mountain. Oh, we do. That's yeah. that's a joke, and so I have to. I have to try and say the whole word. Oh, yeah. I, I used to have a thick New England accent. Then I went to, to college for musical theater, and they beat it out of me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so what's a New England accent? I, oh, I, I actually can't do one anymore. Because uh, uh, <laughs> they had to beat, beat it no, out of you. Mm-hmm. That's actually like the polite version of the story. The longer version of the story is that when I was a very little kid, my dad had a, a, a job down on the docks. And instead of go to daycare, I would go with him. And I like learned English from listening to main fisherman and i developed this like very thick main accent and both my parents were like kind of educational master's degree snobs and were like absolutely not and they put me through speech therapy as a kid and that's actually what kind of kicked it out of me and so the only way to get me to actually figure out how to do a new england accent is to like have me hang out with a bunch of new englanders with the accent or get me drunk those are the only options (laughs) oh my god (laughs) well one will probably be easier than the other at this point yes Uh Uh oh man okay so lloyd however insists that he does not need to ask his wife for permission because he's a grown-ass man and he can eat as many waffles as he damn well wants marital (laughs) strife aside (laughs) frozen waffles frozen waffles yeah waffles frozen waffles with syrup (laughs) maybe some strawberries whipped cream Mm. that's maybe a little bit better i don't know uh (laughs) I am not an actor. I only play a fool on a podcast. Marital strife aside, the two agree to meet at the wishing hole to pay with to play with their poles. There's some pole humor in this. I uh, I thought that might be coming. Yeah, Uh, poles usually do. Yeah. Uh, The duo meet up at the wishing shack on top of the wishing hole and start unpacking their day bags. Beer, coffee, venison jerky, ice scooper. Lloyd asks uh, Marvin if he's going to clean up his shack or not. You know, for the TV people. Martin insists that the TV people want to see want to see this everyman in his everyman habitat. Lloyd convinces Marvin to put his best foot forward and tidy up a bit for the TV folks. Martin inquires about Lloyd's home life and how things are with the wife. And, uh, yeah? 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 Well, Not so know. good, eh? Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> that's, that scene particularly makes me laugh because it's kind of a trope, you know, kind of like among straight men that like when they mm-hmm. talk about stuff, they you, they can speak volumes with very little actually said, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, how, how are things going? It's like, oh, uh, you know. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Anyways. The two crack some fishing jokes and continue setting up for their TV fishing spotlight. Lloyd asks if Marvin will divulge all of his tips and tricks, and Marvin reveals that his master plan, he's aiming to be a reoccurring guest on the show, because if he can make that happen, then he'll be able to get things like free beer and discounts 
and a date with Bonnie from the Pick and Save. Bonnie you know, from that, the Pick and Save. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that girl that they say has a Packers tattoo on her, uh, well, yeah. <laughs> Marvin gets a little excited and launches into a song about how he can be the guy from TV. Life will be sweet. Discounts, freebies, and getting to see Bonnie's hidden tattoo. Because he's the guy from TV. <laughs> Do you still remember the songs? That is one that I I know. The short answer is I remember <laughs> some of the songs. That's the song that I remember conceptually as a plot device, but I don't remember the, the song itself, no. The guy from TV now is very much uh, a thing that I'm remembering. I'm remembering Rick Penzik, who played uh, Marvin, up on a a crate with his arms out wide singing <laughs> yes. uh, uh, me from TV. Also our production was in the round. So it was a little different than how you would have seen it in the proscenium filming version. Yeah. What does in the round mean? Uh, audience on four sides. Like oh. hell theater. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I <laughs> contextually, I thought that I understood, but at the same time, Mm-hmm. musically challenged no so. worries no don't you worry but yes i remember i remember a dimming of the lights and a spotlight on rick up on a crate while the revolve at the center turned so that the audience could see him at all angles i feel like that would make me sick if i was on a stage <laughs> that was rotating you get used to it uh, yeah then the audience can see me vomit from all just, four sides just all the- angles <laughs> Just pray that it doesn't like go down and then come back up and catch a stagehand's ear. It's yeah. never done that, but it does. We did that frequently throughout the production so that the cast could go take bathroom breaks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, K, K, uh, production K was in, uh, it was one of the nights that you were off, right? But thank God but somebody got their ear caught in a, wow. in a moving stage. No, <laughs> crushed his jaw, crushed his chest. His no. ear came with the Yeah. It was during Aida <laughs> during the dance of the rope. No. And one of the actors said that he was he thought that the guy's head got cut. Uh, and so he was preparing to catch the head with the robe to keep uh, Aida from seeing God. it. And then luckily, I think we now, I think Ned now has a new fear next time he's uh, in. <laughs> no. I already hate freight elevators. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was because the sensors were weird because they added a second part onto the the top of the stage like a plexiglass thing and uh, it didn't yeah uh, okay Can, let's let's keep going <laughs> moving oh. right along i apologize man oh but that oh, that tickles me i'm that's gonna stay with me just uh just so you know i'll be thinking about that okay <laughs> he's like yes i will tell you asshole. I, 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 it is deep in my brain <laughs> every time now oh, okay now now next time you'll be doing something like god damn you warren <laughs> no that one's my fault i know but i'm the one that brought it up i'm gonna oh, blame it on warren for sure see <laughs> uh, that's that's my job i gotta deflect blame from k and, and absorb and it all do it so well right <laughs> it's my husbandly duty <laughs> okay So Marvin tells Lloyd that this will be his second time on TV. He had some reaction shots where he had such compelling lines as, yeah, uh uh-huh, and hmm. Marvin (laughs) mentions that people said he looked good on TV, like a heavier George Clooney. (laughs) As we all know, the TV makes you look fatter, which is why Marvin is wearing less layers today. 
Lloyd gets self-conscious about looking fat on TV and starts to strip down. Woohoo! Uh, <laughs> it's getting hot in here, so take off all Lloyd's clothes. <laughs> Marvin tells Lloyd that he looks great and that snowmobile suit makes him look thin. Lloyd is like, can you believe the wife wanted me to get rid of it? How no. dare she? And they sing about how amazing snowmobile suits are and how they make a fat slob look like a superhero. Let's just, <laughs> I know let's just I... take a quick pause and talk about an ode to my snowmobile suit. Because that, <laughs> that song is what I remember the most from doing the show. Yeah. Uh, because that was the song that the like deep-seated musical theater artist in me was like, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> um, and like Fred Alley, don't take any of this offensively. I promise that I was wrong in those feelings. But at the time, I was like, I was like, this is a thing that we that someone approved that I have to sing on a stage, and I don't know that I can do it. And and it was really a, a rough. It was a rough moment for me. It was really humbling to be in this moment in Guys on Ice and be like, this is musical theater. And then the the part of my brain that looked at the audience eating it up and was like, yeah, yeah, it is. This is musical theater. <laughs> the the wonderful subjective nature of art. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I think toot, 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 tootie toot toot from the top of my head to the tip of my boot. When it's dirty below, there is no substitute for the comfort and warmth of a snowmobile suit. I remember that lyric probably till the day I die. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if, if I outlive you, it'll be a eulogy. It's just Ned, Ned Donovan, uh, Rudy Toot Toot. Rudy Toot 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 Toot. I was doing All Shook Up at the time I was memorizing the script. And I would like show it to my castmates that lived in the house. And they'd be like, Ned, what is it you're doing? And I'd be like, I don't, I don't know. I had I had done the Wizard of Oz and then the Elvis musical and then this and I was like, what is? I guess this is a career and I guess I'm really happy for this, but I am confused. <laughs> you know, I, the confusion is a natural state. I had yes. experienced a lot of confusion when we were watching the show, which, but God damn, it was so still charming you know? so yeah. heartfelt. and like again yeah. shout out to steve kaler steve i believe recently retired so good for you steve congratulations but he taught physics at an at an arts high school and he Jesus, only wow. did this show like he would travel wisconsin producing productions of this show he has a, a production company that just exists to produce this show i think he did his thousandth performance as lloyd in my production Uh, and like he made an entire career on that and it's a beautiful thing and i was sitting there being so judgmental (laughs) and it was without question the most successful show i've ever had the pleasure to be a part of and it it like i can't describe how humbling it was and how much of a good lesson it was for shitty old 26 year old ned donovan to like have ingrained into his body you know and now i'm looking at Lloyd completely different going same fuckers a physics professor like (laughs) damn man he's like a very smart dude he also took a thing that I used to say all the time because most of us were were younger than Steve in the production and he would look around the the dressing room you'd be like (laughs) you'd be like you motherfuckers are so young I'm just so old one foot (laughs) in the grave one foot on a banana peel and I think about that (laughs) all the time 
I say it to people all the time and they're like, I'm so old. I'm like, yeah, one foot in the grave, one foot on a banana peel. I love that. That's fantastic. Oh, also shout out to Steve. He's the best golden tea player I've ever known. And he's a, he's a darts shark. Like we would go play darts and, and Steve can do an entire round of darts without missing. Wow. Wow. So I have to ask, what is golden tea? Oh, golden tea is the golf game in, in, in bars with like the ball that spins. Um, is this not a thing in Utah? It's a massive thing everywhere else. Uh, 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 I it's saying, an arcade I don't... game. Uh, oh. It's golf, but instead of pressing buttons, there's like a, 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 a white ball that spins in all directions and you have to spin it back and spin it forward in a straight line so you don't slice or, or curve the shot. I think here it's mostly Buck Hunter. Oh, I love yeah. Big Buck Hunter. I, I have yeah. a uh, I have a, a a note on my phone that tells me all the bars in New York City I've ever found with the original Big Buck Hunter, not the new one with the 3D, but that original game <laughs> from the like late 90s. That still have that in the corner because it's my favorite pub game. Fantastic. Now that's the one I agree with because I'm sitting here like I I don't go to a <laughs> I do all my drinking at home because I don't want to deal with people. And uh, bars are loud. <laughs> so, oh man, I, just... I do all my drinking at bars because it makes it seem like I have friends. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say the last time that we went to a bar, it was karaoke, and too many people got excited for me singing American Pie, and I was like, "I think I'm." Oh, think that I'm was done. Oh my god! So slight tangent. That was fantastic we were at a uh, went to a bar for a friend's birthday and Kay gets up and sings karaoke and this drunk woman comes over after Kay finishes and is just like i have been coming to this bar for years never have i heard someone so beautiful and just gushes all over Kay thanking her for their performance and... and Kay is just trying to be so polite like Thank you, strange drunk woman. Please go away. <laughs> uh, the two things I will always talk about, man, is I don't love karaoke because I spend a good amount of my career getting paid to sing that I feel weird going to like, <laughs> like I feel like whenever my friends who are on national tours are like, we're going out tonight and we're going to go to karaoke. I'm like, you guys get to sing eight shows a week for paying audiences. Like let people who don't have a singing outlet do karaoke. Please. <laughs> and then- like, don't just walk in and show up, people. Like, how fucking rude that you're, like, a Tony Award winner going to walk into, like, <laughs> Providence, Rhode Island karaoke and just, like, make everyone feel bad about themselves. See, but, and I imagine that's probably what it is. They want to, they, they basically want to walk in there and show their big theater dick, you know? God, it drives me <laughs> up a wall. But the second thing about it that I think about, uh, 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 or not about that, that I wanted to just shout out is that when I was in high school, so Don McLean lives in Camden Hills, Maine, and he's like oh. one of the main celebrities. And I got to do a show with his daughter, Jackie, who was like one of the coolest individuals I ever got to meet at. 14 years old or whatever. And uh, I have no, I think she's making music now. Who knows? But shout out to Jackie McLean. Absolutely. Okay. American Pie. Oh. Uh, the original I, singer-songwriter yeah. of American Pie, Don McLean. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> In one ear, slides off my smooth brain, goes out the other. Happy. Anyways, after this song, the uh, snowmobile suit song, the two start cracking jokes about kicking people in their ice holes and dumb ch- and uh, 
and a dumb chud who tried to ice fish in a skating rink. I do, okay, so I assume the jokes, they don't update any of the jokes uh, every year kind of thing. Like, I imagine that it's just part of the thing, but uh, uh, each production. But I, I have a special appreciation for dumb pun humor. Me too. And there were some pretty damn good ones in the show. So Yes. There's a bunch <laughs> of fish puns in there. Yes. Dear God. <laughs> I did like that one about the, there's no fish in there. <laughs> it turns out he's trying to fish in an ice skating rink. There's I a, uh, there's a, a few, there's a few, I believe there are points in the script that it tells you, you can update to like nearby town or like, like local mm-hmm. celebrity. Like there are things you can do to, to personalize it to the, wherever it's being performed, but the script itself is locked. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's like the script for Godspell. Gotcha. It's pretty locked too. Well, gee, the, the story of Jesus is pretty locked. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> well, you know, like we're, we're, we know what happened. The spoilers dude dies. Whoa, 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 dude, whoa, I, whoa. I haven't finished the book yet. I mean, come <laughs> on. Wow. Spoilers. Didn't we talk it's earlier a... about how you were going to make your way through war and peace? Sorry, dude. You've got a way to go. <laughs> okay, so, yes, the two guys are making jokes about kicking people in their ice holes. Uh, tells a joke about a guy who tried to fish in a skating rink. I bet you copious amounts of alcohol were involved with that one. <laughs> Lloyd ducks out of the shack to check some to check some things and verify that global warming is still a hoax because it's currently cold outside. <laughs> Lloyd comments on how some guys are uh, getting ready for work and those guys are losers who don't know how to fish. He then busts out his harmonica and sings a ballad about the great outdoors. Removed from society, you can see the day rise up and chase away the night. Out here where the day begins, there is nothing but the wind. This place has great importance to Lloyd. His dad and his uncles used to come out here and be men. Manly men. His dad and uncle apparently wouldn't talk to Lloyd outside of this shanty, because only this magical frozen icebox can men talk to young boys and instill in them the knowledge of what it means to be a man. Out here, where the sky begins. Lloyd continues serenading the audience with his harmonica, and we see Marvin having an imaginary conversation with Cubby, the host of the fishing show he's aiming to have a ch- to have change his life. I forgot Mark. his name was Cubby. Thank Cubby. you. Yeah. I've, been, I've been searching for it this whole time. <laughs> Marvin is planning all the right things to say, especially when it comes to his rugged good looks and his godlike ice fishing skills. Marvin then launches into a song about how he was born with a pole in his hand, and he's not bragging by saying that he's uh, the best, because he's the king of the Iceman. King of the Ice! I forgot yes. about this song! Oh. <laughs> all right! <laughs> the Ice King does his best Elvis impression as he gyrates and hip thrusts all over the scene while the slow stroking his fishing pole <laughs> to his own magnificence. <laughs> oh, I. This is one of those one of those scenes that made me giggle a lot. Not so much the Elvis impression, but him oh. doing like the because because Marvin's character is just so dumb, you know, but he's such a good fisherman, but mm-hmm. he's just kind of a, a dense motherfucker. And I'd love him having this imaginary conversation with like how he's going to talk to Cubby, you know, about this. And then Cubby's going to be like, Oh, you're so good looking. Have you thought about being on TV? And he's yes. just like, why? Well, yes, I have just, uh, I, I, just that part made me laugh. I also not to, not to gloss over it. 
I, one of the things that I constantly said in rehearsals for this show was like, this show is far more charming than it has the right to be. It and is. a lot of that I, I, in, I gave to our cast, but also like Steve knows the role of Lloyd so inside and out that like that song that I, I remembered conceptually, but I didn't really remember as part of the thing. And it sort of like came back to me as I was watching from the back of the house. Usually uh, 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 that song is so unnecessarily pretty to be yes. in this show. And uh, uh, I think it's moments like that, that allow this show to be, as air quote dumb as it is because mm -hmm. it, it reminds you that like there is a real complexity inside the simplicity of this show that I think yeah. is very nice. That's a really good way of putting it that there, there definitely is a complexity within the simplicity. Like it's, it's, it comes off as simple because of how well it's done. Because mm -hmm. it's so earnest. And I say this, yeah, yeah. you're going to hear this on every podcast I have ever appeared on. The only thing that matters in making good content is, is it earnest? That's it. Mm -hmm. If people believe it is earnest and heartfelt, they'll buy into whatever bullshit you're laying down. I pointed to the Hunted <laughs> Encore as like a perfect example of this, but Guys on Ice is a perfect representation of like, if you give people earnest, well-intentioned people inside whatever plot you want to give them and tell them to go sing a truly unacceptably nice song in a show this dumb like it's gorgeous and i think yeah. like, you know shout out to the writers of guys on ice that that actually is probably my favorite song in the whole show yeah too it it's it, also it's the only one that never makes a pun that makes that detracts like there are a couple songs in here that are meant to be ballads but i groan and because i groan like it's hard for me to get into them this one's just nice yes <laughs> yes so stupid question, but stupid not. answer. Yeah. So, so, uh, what makes a ballad a ballad? Because Her I think form. I used the term ballad and I was like, I don't even sure if that's, it was right on the money. A ballad is a slow song, yeah. generally heartfelt. Yep. Oh, yep. Go me. <laughs> uh, generally <laughs> solo, rarely do you have a ballad duet. It's generally a, a song of yearning. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. It's the I want song. Yes. But a downbeat but, I want yeah. song. You don't sing like a peppy, energetic ballad. Yeah. I am learning things. We'll yeah. see if they, if they stick to my brain or not. Yes. <laughs> so you used it properly, which implies to me you learned it at one point and it stuck. <laughs> oh, man. If you could be a fly on the wall for some of Kay and I's conversations, and I swear that the people that live inside Kay's head are like, this is the 20th time I have told this dense motherfucker what this note means. I did try to do a music theory lesson a little while ago, and that. Oh, uh, that would be advised. <laughs> <laughs> you know i i think i would have an easier time learning physics than music theory yeah i yeah. i have a degree that says i understand music theory and i still don't recommend that anyone try to learn it <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh i love you ned you're fantastic Thank i'm you. so glad you're on our show absolutely here all right so what Elvis was to rock and roll, Marvin is to the fishing ice to the ice fishing pole. Yeah. Wait, did Marvin steal ice fishing from black musicians and then make it mainstream? 
Hmm. Another no, question I, for another time. Because the song's over. I can't. I can't speak to this as a as a uh, very white person from the frozen north. But what I can say is that most of the people of color that I grew up with bemoaned that they were living in a very cold, frigid place and generally avoid things like skiing and ice. So yeah. So I'll at least say like probably not. <laughs> I will say that ice fishing had an appeal to me on the I want to try catching this specific type of fish that you can only ice fish in Utah. Is it but the walleye? Yes. Yeah. And, and oh, I was walleye, eh? I was very much like, but then I have to sit in a cold shack because it can't get warm enough for me to be comfortable. And also stay on top of the ice. <laughs> so what, what we probably need to get you is like a heated suit to take you out ice fishing. So that uh, roughly a Rudy toot 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 tooty yes. toot. Yes, <laughs> I need a Rudy toot 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 heated suit. Heated but also, suit you know, for for the for the non ice fishers back home, you know, you sit in the shack, and the shack is sometimes around a hole that is fishing, or you have a hole just outside of the shack, and you're sitting in the shack to stay warm, and you mm -hmm. just have like lines in the water that have flags on them. And when something bites the line, the flag shoots up and you know to run out of the shack and go try and catch a fish. So you really are just sitting there drinking and hoping something will happen. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay then. I, I've never seen that one with the, the, the fishing outside the shack. I've, whenever I've seen it represented, it's always the ice hole in the shack. Yeah, often the shacks have like wooden floors, so you're not sitting on ice. That's delightful. That's logical. I, I prefer that. <laughs> Okay, so <laughs> Lloyd comes back into the shack all, Hey, Marvin, I heard you yelling like a dying cat outside, but I see you're fine. Marvin tries to cover his embarrassment by saying that it was a huge fish, this big, so big. But then he decides that he needs to uh, drain the coffee pot, so to speak. <laughs> Marvin, Marvin's pee break is cut short as Ernie the Mooch shows up to Mooch. Mooch oh, hey there, guys. <laughs> <laughs> he is one of those characters that I really, I, when he showed up, I was like, oh, I'm going to hate this guy. But he was just funny. He's oh, so I thought you were going to say, and I was right. Uh, <laughs> in the world of the original, waiting for Godot, he's the Potso character. Yes, he is. <laughs> I think I need to see we'll Waiting watch for Godot. at some point. There's, a Pat, there's an Ian McKellen Patrick story out there that you can really enjoy. Yeah, yeah, that I think you'll like that version. So. I probably will. I mean, I like this, and if it's waiting for Godot, then yeah. So Marvin's pee break is cut short as Ernie the Mooch shows up to mooch, mooch some bait, mooch some coffee, and attempts to mooch some food. The boys try to tell the mooch that they don't have any food, but the mooch sniffs out some venison jerky like a goddamn bloodhound. What is that there? <laughs> Just he's a. <laughs> And he goes to his leg and stuff. And yeah, the, just... the blocking for that was a wild ride. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. So he's uh, sniffs out the the venison jerky that uh, Marvin has in his pocket, and he, well, God, what was he pulls it? He's like, "Oh, you wouldn't like this. It's salty." He's like, "Really salty." He's like, "Oh, well, then you won't mind if I eat it." Um, nom, 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 nom. <laughs> and then he's like, "I sure do wish I had a beer to wash this delicious venison jerky." Ah, 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 ah. That lining kugel. Don't forget the lining kugel. The lineys. You get a line. That's what lineys are. Okay. Oh, lining kugels. kugels. That's the beer? Yeah. The one that 
we like the summer shandy of. Oh yeah, yes. we, uh, we we had custom. We we got like seltzer, and then the 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 props team custom wrapped fake lining kugels onto it, so that like Steve and Rick could could just down beers throughout the course of the show. And uh, 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 that was why we had to take so many pee breaks because they were putting away like 18 to 20 seltzers in the course of like a 90 minute show. Oh, oh my wow. God. Yeah. Yeah. Gonna have to drain the old coffee pot from that. Mm-hmm. So Mooch then takes advantage of Lloyd and Marvin's kindness and cons a beer to save him from his choking of venison jerky. I think these two could get away with murdering Mooch and dumping him in the frozen lake and no one would judge them. I sure wouldn't. <laughs> We don't know what happened to the mooch. He came over here, gave him some jerky and a beer, said, okay, bye, mooch. And then he just disappeared. No one ever saw him again. This week on Small Town Murder. (laughs) I think that's a Twin Peaks episode. Uh, So the mooch busts out a ukulele and sings about how uh, nothing changes and the past is just like now. But if you were to ask people from the past what the past was like, they wouldn't remember because they're too old. Something to that extent. (laughs) I honestly don't remember a single thing about this song. I know that all played the accordion. I don't remember the the notes. I don't remember the words. I have no record. Like this is a fever dream to me. (laughs) This, this, this song was probably my least favorite and it was over the quickest. And then it just kind of goes away. So it's not all that important, but the mooch gets ready to leave, but he stops to give his condolences to poor Lloyd on account of the wife leaving to stay with the in-laws. Lloyd inquires how the hell mooch found that out. And mooch explains that he just picked, he just put two and he just put two and three together, you know, and tree together there. People have been seeing best vehicle outside the front of her parents' place, and they've been seeing Lloyd at the grocery store stocking up on them TV dinners he eats when Beth goes out of town. Only Beth didn't go out of town. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I apologize to Wisconsinites everywhere for me, but also... <laughs> but also you brought this upon yourselves. <laughs> so... <They> did. Mar- <laughs> Marvin tells the mooch that he's, no- that he's on the... That he's on thin ice. I put no thin ice. Fuck you, Warren. Uh, (laughs) Mooch sees the burning anger inside of Lloyd's eyes and makes the wise decision to fuck off elsewhere. After the Mooch leaves the shack, Lloyd confides in Marvin about his marital troubles. Beth's been unreasonable lately, really just your typical irrational woman. Lloyd took a test in a magazine to see how awesome he was, and he got a 1 out of 10, on account that he always puts the toilet seat down. Good to know, Kay, that I also at least have 1 out of 10, just based on uh, Lloyd's test results. (laughs) (laughs) Lloyd goes on to say that Beth got mad over their anniversary, but she was just unreasonable and didn't agree that (laughs) that it wasn't Lloyd's fault that the Packers versus Bears game had to be on the same day as their anniversary. They're just really lucky that her dad died so that he could get the tickets. (laughs) Beth is really being selfish in this whole matter because Lloyd's been following the Packers for 30 years and he's only been following Beth for seven. Oh my god, I forgot that that's a line and that is so funny. It's an I, I, really. Oh my god, I forgot about that line, and that line is so funny. I love it. <laughs> Lloyd laments the, that after all they've been through, it came down to the Packers that broke them up. I that 
was probably one of my favorite scenes. Just him being like, oh, it's just how <laughs> trying to the, how this dense motherfucker, <laughs> like the character doesn't realize that I told her that we should be happy that her dad died. Yeah, <laughs> what a great, oh. it's such a great sequence of events. It's, I, it's, it's funny because it, it's it starts off bad and then it just gets worse well, and the I, way that it gets worse is so funny i talk about how like this is now ned's ned's soapbox hour uh, <laughs> uh i talk about how like theater has the opportunity to like change hearts and hearts and minds everywhere and part of it is like you have to allow shows whose exist to only be entertaining have little moments that like matter and mm-hmm. so like in All Shook Up, for instance, I talk about like that show doesn't like that show's fluffy and weird. But at the very end, they have this conversation where like the the parental figures announce they're in love and it's an interracial couple and the audience has to go like, yes, we're rooting for them. And then mm-hmm. 10 seconds later, the teenagers who are an interracial couple announce they're in love. And when I did that show in the Midwest, people gasped. But like 10 seconds earlier had gone ah for the same thing, but adults. And then like in that moment, they have to go like, wait, if I was cool with that, I have to be cool with this. And it's in that exact moment, the Elvis character announces that he's in love with a man. Now the audience knows that like that man is actually a woman dressed up as a man. And that's the joke. But like for a split second, this fluffy show with no like no purpose or like deep artistic meaning says like, if you were cool with like the 50 year old interracial couple, you have to be cool with the teenage interracial couple. And by the way, if we all acknowledge interracial couples are cool, let's talk about gay people. And it's like, it's like a really smart progression of events. And I feel very similarly about this moment because everyone laughs at this. Everyone finds it funny that Lloyd is so fucking dumb, but like I was watching this show and it was like the audience for this show is not the audience for your general musical theater. And in that moment, you have these men who stereotypically might think this way, laughing at Lloyd and they get to shine a quick mirror on themselves and be like, wait a minute. Like, do I think that way? Everyone's laughing at that guy. Like it's a smart piece of writing for very small hearts and minds changes that I like a lot. Absolutely. I, I could not agree with what you said more. Like that is you so perfectly put. Yes. And now I really want to see all shaken up. Uh, all so- up is very worth it. Great show. One of my favorite pieces of musical theater. Fantastic. That's excellent. I'm looking forward to when we do that one. Uh, yes. But yes, no, just exactly what you're talking about. Just, it should try and change hearts and minds. Any art that is worth its salt period should be trying to uh, alter your perception in some way, whether it's big and deep and dramatic or tiny little incremental things like you're talking about. So, but I, I did love that. How, you know, you get Lloyd initially, he's talking about just how unreasonable his wife is that she wants him to pay attention to her basically you know and have their marriage be some type of priority in his life and and then uh you get to see him have that flip later on where he's he realizes that his wife is is oh we'll talk about that song when we get there (laughs) yeah we'll have a long conversation about that piece (laughs) so lloyd starts to sing using fish as an allegory for women, and now he's seen a pretty tale or two. But because he didn't properly bait the hook, she got away. And now she's out there, swimming free. So for the time being, Lloyd will sit here, waiting for a tug on his pole. I mean, don't we all, <laughs> fellas, just sit around waiting for someone to tug on our pole? Ha 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 ha. Oh, I am nothing if not three dick jokes in a trench coat. So... <laughs> Lloyd's no, song guys is... guys on ice, just to be clear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> Lloyd's song is sad because it sounds like he misses his wife, even though he doesn't quite grasp that he fucked up. Marvin cheers up his friend by giving him some walleye, which is, which I'm told is a fish, apparently. Yes. It's a good fish because Lloyd bites into it and he uh, exhales. Oh. Fish-faced ecstasy. They say fish oil is good for your brain, which causes Lloyd to ask Marvin if fish feel pain. Marvin says no, and explains that if you can't think, you can't feel pain. All fish do is eat, mate, and swim away from bigger fish. Marvin is also upset about his job at the uh, plant that even a fish could do, apparently. <laughs> I mean, if a fish had hands and could breathe air, Marvin sometimes wishes that he was a fish. Lloyd makes Marvin feel better by sharing some of his fish, but it was frozen previously, so it's kind of rubbery. But that's just the way Marvin likes it. <laughs> some of the them them going on and on about fish definitely went over my head because I'm just like, well, it's not salmon, so I don't care. <laughs> so... <laughs> sure. <laughs> Are you a big fish guy? I, I am from the 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 fishery of the United States of America, West Coast. You're wrong. It's not you. Uh, uh, <laughs> New England, and so yes, huge fish guy over here. So so, what's what's your favorite fish? My favorite fish is a. Uh, probably a salmon but i'll be honest i'm actually a shellfish guy like my favorite meal in the world is steamed main clams yes yeah Kay's big into into shellfish like i like shellfish too i usually we don't we don't get it a lot because it's expensive and i want to buy it uh, and you're landlocked i don't know if you knew that about you yeah it's <laughs> hey stuff gets delivered i mean it's not it's fresh not caught that fresh. day but <laughs> yeah though on the west coast they do have sand dabs and those are delightful I don't know what that is. I'm they're sure like, not worth my time. <laughs> so the only way to eat them is fried because, well, they're not fried fried, like deeply battered, but just sort of pan fried. Okay. You can have them with like gravy and sauce and stuff, but that just tastes like gravy and sauce. But uh, there was a fisherman's wharf in Monterey Bay. It is not the commercial one. It is the actual one that because my mom and I took a wrong turn and uh it's in this little dive bar and they sell sand dabs and they're just these little flounders almost huh. but it, it's it's so good I I couldn't eat enough of them <laughs> when we can travel again we need to go there <laughs> So Ned, so Ned, you're you're from the uh, the lobster roll capital, right? I am Isn't... from the lobster capital of uh, the world. Yum. So so so, uh, do you like? Do you appreciate a good lobster roll? I do. I make a good lobster roll. Ooh. I, I don't. Uh, I don't even really. I, lobster roll is like chopped up lobster over a uh, bowl, right? <laughs> oh, man, rough. <laughs> Uh, that's a hard. That's that's hard to hear. Uh, 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 hey, I'm landlocked. Remember, there's, there's two ways to eat a lobster roll: warm and cold. Warm is 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 really with butter and lemon on a on a roll, and mm. then cold you you have it with your mayo and like I usually put some celery in there and some paprika and a little bit of a little mm. bit of spice and stuff like that. But so so cold is more like a like a the the same way you would kind of prepare similar to a chicken or a tuna salad but with less so that the lobster's the main thing and then warm it's really just lobster meat butter a little bit of lemon now i want a lobster roll right yeah. it's a good thing to want good thing to eat 
<laughs> so jealous. I hate being landlocked. <laughs> you know, N- I'm Ned, we bring staring at the main ocean. So there you go. We bring Ned onto the show, and all he does is pan is uh, pedal his pro fish propaganda. You know yep. about. <laughs> yep, man, we need your money. That's our pitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, god damn it! I love I love you, Ned. Okay. So the two then launch into a song about how fish is the miracle food. It's even in the Bible. Jesus fed people with fish. It's proof that it's a miracle food. The miracle fish food song closes the first act. Yeah, it does. I totally forgot how act one ended. I've been sitting here trying to figure out. I remember how act two starts, but I could never remember how act one closes. The miracle food. That's true. What a great, what a great thing. Yes. (laughs) It's the perfect song for Ned after coming from the fishery capital of, of the United States. Oh mm-hmm. man, it's just what a what a shout out to that song. I love that. I love that song. <laughs> we come back from the intermission with the weather report. It's still sack shrivelingly cold outside. <laughs> we see our boys in their shack, both a few beers in and playing cards, singing and telling jokes. The game they're playing, uh, the card game these two fishermen are playing. Can you guess it? Audience, can you guess the card game? I hate that I didn't guess it right away because it's so <laughs> perfectly obvious. <laughs> They're playing goldfish, eh? It's such a good joke. Oh, I felt like such a schmutz. Like, I'm sitting here like, oh, no, are they playing poker? Are they play like, what are they playing? And then I'm just like... You dumb shit. Of course they're playing Go Fish. This whole show is about fish and puns. Marvin and Lloyd realize that it's a freckle past a hair, and Cubby's, Cubby the TV man is pretty late meeting them. Marvin figures Cubby got held up at the bait shop, and Lloyd hopes that he didn't eat any of the bait shop's ass blaster chili, since uh, it's a bit snug in that shack and they all might die of methane poisoning otherwise. <laughs> I think that Lloyd and Marvin are getting a bit of cabin fever. As they ponder where the camera will get set up in the shack, Marvin talks about people who embarrass themselves on Cubby's show have never been on since, and how he's worried that he might embarrass himself. Marvin and Lloyd go back and forth, threatening to tell embarrassing stories to Cubby. Lloyd then launches into a song about murder and why he shot his buddy Marvin with a thirty out 6 because Marvin oh, got yeah. too big for his head once he <laughs> became a big TV star. <laughs> the two reconcile after the song and do some normal hetero male bonding by slapping one another on the stomach. The two then challenge each other to a Wisconsin sumo combat. Before the bloodshed could truly begin, a knock on the door makes him think that Cubby is finally here. But no, it's the return of the mooch. He's <laughs> here to borrow a cup. He's here to return a cup that he had borrowed, uh, Pilford Baden, and to steal some more of their beer. The Mooch thanks them and launches into a trombone song about what's theirs is his and what's his is theirs. When the song ends, the Mooch then informs the guys that he heard on the radio that Cubby, the ender, the celebrity fisherman, you know, Cubby, the one that they've been waiting for the whole show, the one that Marvin has his dream, his future dreams hung up on. <laughs> well, that Cubby, he died. He's dead. Died in a tragic snowblower, snowblower accident. I mean, the snow sucks, but dying like that sure does blow. <laughs> Marvin is bummed, understandably, because now he'll never be popular enough to bang Bonnie. <laughs> and uh, Lloyd contemplates his own mortality and how death can come at any moment, like a hook descending from above to yank you away to the great beyond. Is that your last day on Earth? Is that what that song is? 
There's a song yes. that I remember. Yes. Your last day on earth. Yes, it is. Is this where that goes? I believe so. Kay says it is. So I'm, I'm pretty sure it was. I'm also pretty sure the song I really wanted to talk about later in the show was the moment you were talking about, which is the song he he sings. Uh, uh, the chorus is, "You'll never know until she's gone how much you loved the ground she floundered on." And I remember yes. learning that song and being like, "Come on, man! You can't! <laughs> you can't!" put a fish pun in the only heartfelt moment in the show you can't i need you to not do it i was so angry like every time i'd be singing it she floundered on and my immediate instinct was to be like Ugh. but anyway uh, 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 i love that song going back a few minutes and i wish that they hadn't decided to put floundered in the middle of it <laughs> Oh, come on, Ned. You're a fish man. You you want flounder in all things. No. No, I don't. <laughs> I'm not comfortable with that. No. <laughs> you know what, Lauren? Fuck you in your opinion. <laughs> I'm shutting that shit down. How fucking dare you? Oh, that's fantastic. Okay. After the two men finish their contemplation of the fragility of mortality song <laughs> lloyd inquires if marvin would like his ticket to the packers game on sunday and if he would like to ask bonnie to the game because he lloyd has an anniversary to make up to beth lloyd gives his ticket to marv who blubbers his thanks to his friend the two crack open some beers and toast to cubby the recently departed lloyd then inquires to marvin if he thinks that there is ice fishing in heaven the two follow the logical conclusion that if hell is molten and hot heaven must be cold and jesus is in a snowmobile suit waiting for everybody at the pearly gates and every sunday is packers sunday and 40 pounds overweight is considered skill skinny oh hell yeah i'm down for that part oh uh <laughs> there are only f 50 pound fish in heaven and uh i kind of flubbed that but i'm still my throat hurts from laughing so thank you ned yeah i got you boo <laughs> <laughs> Marvin and Lloyd start packing up their gear, getting ready to head home, and sing about how life only lasts for but a moment, until you've no more bait in your bucket. No more bait in your bucket, dare. <laughs> no more bait in your bucket, dare. We see the two leave the shack, and an undisclosed amount of time later, Marvin calls Lloyd to shoot the shit. Len Lloyd tells Marvin that he's slowly patching things up with his wife. He got her some flowers, took them to the in-laws, and his wife even got teary-eyed when he told her that he gave the tickets away to Marvin. And the guy... <clears throat> Marvin then says that the guy with the Packer tickets never has to ask a woman twice, eh? He's only a Packers game away from getting to see Bonnie's special hidden tattoo, if you know what I mean. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, say no more. <laughs> the two close the show with a fun fish joke. Marvin tells Lloyd that he caught a 50-pound trout. Lloyd does one better, says he caught a lantern, but when he pulled it out, it was still lit. Marvin has a moment of contemplation before saying, Tell you what, I'll take 15 pounds off the trout if you blow out the lantern. And the two laugh and laugh before going, Yeah, and closing out the show. <laughs> so, I don't get the boasting thing about, like, like I guess I do get the, like, I caught a fish that was this big. 16 you do it with your hand. Long. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let's do it like that, but uh, <laughs> the the moment of, of uh, Marvin's I don't know if it was puzzlement or if, or what, when he when uh, Lloyd tells him that he caught a lantern that was still lit when he pulled it out of the water. 
because it's there's I don't know if Marvin believed him or if he's like he's calling me on my shit, eh? It's it's the I it's the latter, right? Like yeah, it, the whole joke is totally. like I caught a fifty pound trout, and Lloyd's over here like, all right, bullshit. I if you <laughs> caught a fifty pound trout, I caught a lantern that came out of the water lit, and that's when yeah. Marvin's like, fine, I'll call it a thirty five pound trout if you don't say it was a lit lantern. Yes, <laughs> I don't think I've had enough uh, heteronormative male bullshit bonding where you like. Oh, I get. I, I'll give you all sorts of it. That's like yeah. that's like my love language. <laughs> well, it's just like it, I don't know. It reminds. It's I don't know if you've heard the joke before, Kay. That uh, if you ask a guy how many women he slept with, divide it by three. If you yeah. ask a woman how many men she slept with, multiply it by three, and that's the real truth. I've heard that. <laughs> yeah, it kind of seems like the same because you know some of the friends that I've had that have been like, I've had sex with three hundred women or or whatever kind of. Uh, uh, nonsense yeah yeah so it's something along those lines i guess but oh my god my one throat, throat hurts I, yeah one thing i want to bring up really quick because because i think it's i don't know if it's actually in the script or if it's just what we did but during the game of go fish they're playing a drinking game yes and they are pounding these cans of seltzer which in our case went from full to empty and they each had to finish six in the course of a song and oh, without burping and uh uh so they would finish it and then they would toss it over their shoulder and behind them was a net and the game they were actually playing live on stage like the stage management tallied for them and it was a competition was who could hit more cans in the net without looking that is awesome uh, but What's and apparently that's how Steve normally does it, kind of in his productions around the state of Wisconsin. But when we did it, it was in the center of a theater in the round stage, so the revolve was slowly turning, so the audience oh. could see them over the course of the song. And if they threw it too hard, they'd just hit a, a like you know an old eighty-five-year-old woman in the face. <laughs> and so the stakes were so high because you like we would we would constantly like we would have full rehearsals where all four of us or three of us because Paul who played the mooch never played the game had to come to the stage and practice the toss because like yes sometimes they went into the audience and it just became like a fun souvenir from the show because it's not like we were going to refill the sealed cans so yeah. we cycle them every night anyway but like if you threw it too hard you were just hitting audience members and this theater's <laughs> audience is mostly made up of like bus tours of old folks homes oh and no just, like kill marcia in the front row tragedy of the blue hairs Absolutely. Oh my God. and it was like oh, we'd oh. be watching from the audience and like i would watch and me and the stage manager would be like on edge because we'd be like will tonight be the night that steve hits someone in the head and they have a heart attack and like we have to stop <laughs> the show because we killed a guy <laughs> I, you know, oh, I didn't man. even think about how that scene would work in a theater in the round. I would, I would, I love that game. And I was like, oh, the way that they're doing it, are they just acting like this is important stakes? But oh my God, no, no, no. we took it so seriously. Oh like, my we, God. Every night there was a, in the, the post show report, we would get an email on who won. 
That is amazing. I would pay. It's like I don't know. Oh. The, my my sick side of my brain see, hears that and it's like I want to see someone catch a can to the face. Like <laughs> I, it, it's like going to NASCAR and wanting to see a wreck. You know, but it's the like, audience <laughs> also loves it, right? Because like they're tossing, they're not looking at the net, they're just tossing it over their shoulder. So every time they hit it, the audience is like, "Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Awesome. It's so exciting." Oh, oh my, my god. god. It's, like, it's like a little mini game within the production. I yeah. love it. Oh. Oh, I love that. Guys on Ice. Shout theater. out. People sure. at home, Guys on Ice is like 75 minutes long. It has yes. like 12 songs. Uh, it is very short. And if it's in your area, you should see it. it absolutely. Is absolutely worth seeing. Yes. I do. I am still so surprised how much I enjoyed the show. Me too. I did not, you know, it came recommended from you, of course. And so I'm sitting there like, okay, what's, what's Ned gotten us into? Cause (laughs) I don't apologize at all. (laughs) No, nor should you. Like it's, it's very fun and enjoyable because the last show that we, well, I shouldn't say the last show, but one of the shows that we had uh, recommended to us by our mutual friend, Ruckland was scored a Uh... hockey musical. Oh Wait. God! He gave you scored. Sorry. Yeah. I'll give it you was... better ones than score. I promise you, I will never recommend anything to you that I truly can't support. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's fine. Like, please do because uh, you know con- it's, it, that's the thing too. Is it's like I love seeing a show and talking about a great show. Yes, but we we cover the is... good, the bad, and the ugly exactly. of musical theater, exactly. so it's okay. You know, can't just cover the the glorious, wonderful things because we need to warn people about the horrors of of things like scored. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, I just I didn't know what to expect with the show, uh, guys on ice, and then as it boots up, I'm like, okay, this is a small production, it's a small cast. You know what what are we going to be getting into? And then. There will at least be passion. There's so much good natured charm in it. So much heart. So much heart. And I love that there was character growth, you know, yes. and the, uh, oh, it just made me laugh. So it was a good, it was a good palate cleanser from some of the other stuff we've, we've done recently. So mm-hmm. thank you, Ned. Thank yeah. you so much. You're welcome. I mean, this for me, just... like I, I think about this all the time is like, I am a member of the so-called liberal elite, right? Like I live in Brooklyn, New York. I make content. I am a raging leftist. Like I am, I am everything that like the stereotype of like the not liberal elite hates. And mm-hmm. I have a lot of trouble when people send art my way to consider being a part of or or being in where it's like I read it and I'm like, this this is just something that like no one needs right now because the only people who are going to like it already agree with you. And it's just belittling of those who don't. Mm-hmm. And I, I read these scripts all the time where they're like, well, this is a show that really shows what artists are. And I'm like, this is a show that like theater people from New York can like jerk themselves off to, but it doesn't actually <laughs> help anyone. And, and this is like the perfect example of the antithesis of that. This show yes. has more heart than like 90% of like blockbuster musicals. It doesn't need to be anything more than it is. And it never wants you to expect it to be. And I find that so damn charming inside a show that like, I love to make fun of because at the end of the day, like I get to forever say I earned my equity card 
in Guys on Ice, the three-person musical adaptation of Waiting for Godot as yes. Wisconsin ice fisherman. And I say that, and people are like, oh my god, that sounds terrible. And I'm always like, it kind of is, but also, it's really charming. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's so unexpected, and I think that's kind of where it catches you. Yeah. Uh, and it, it really goes to show that small and quaint and and uh, uh very esoteric mm-hmm. can still be appealing to people who because i think like i didn't get a lot of stuff because i'm not from wisconsin and i'm not a fisherman and all this stuff but i still found it incredibly entertaining and enjoyable yeah and i would definitely recommend it to other people even just be like hey, it's a silly musical like it doesn't take itself seriously it doesn't expect the audience to uh I don't know it doesn't expect anybody to expect too much from it yeah. yeah it very much knows what it is and it's like we are what we are you can like us you cannot but we are what mm-hmm. we are and I, I do think it's funny that you're talking about that the script is so locked that they're just like no you cannot make changes but because i do agree with you that is something to... I do love to make fun of. Like at the end yeah. of the day, like this is not the show you get to die on the artistic integrity of. I love this show, but it is not yeah. the show to be like, you may not update these jokes. Like, come on, this show is irreverent. <laughs> and it really, or, yeah. Or like how you're saying, like they, they won't let you, uh, they won't let people update it for other regions, you know, mm-hmm. to yeah. make it accessible to, to, um, the nuances of that culture, wherever it's being put write on. it about the Patriots and you can make twice as much money in New York. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like it, it's, it's, but it, the same kind of thing. They're like, Nope, this is what it is. It doesn't need to be anything more than mm-hmm. it is. And you know, there is a certain amount of respect to be given to people who have that strong of conviction to their, their, uh, product, you know, and, I, I should yeah. say. And shout out to yeah. just the free advertising for line and Google. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, we are big. We're we're big in free advertising here on Tone Deaf. Yes. We talk about what we're free. eating, what we're drinking, what we're playing, what we're watching. This episode is sponsored by Canada Dry Ginger Ale. And, and well, it's not sponsored. This episode has a free plug for <laughs> Canada Dry Ginger Ale. Please yeah. bring bold to Utah. Yeah, and Dr <laughs> Pepper. <laughs> oh, oh my so gosh! I don't. I think. Loved having you on. Yes, this. thank you so much for having us. So much. We need to we need to find uh, another show to have an excuse to bring you back. Yes, Doctor Horrible sing along blog. Yes, we have to do that one. Yes, and we will bring you back for that one. <laughs> thank you. I, I, I played Doctor Horrible in college, and I would love to talk about it. Fantastic! Yay. Awesome! Awesome! Oh, Ned, do you have anything you'd like to plug? <laughs> so much yay uh hey everyone i'm ned you can find me at ned donovan everywhere uh there is an another ned donovan he's a relatively famous british famous british journalist he's not me uh (laughs) but i got all the ned donovan handles before he blew up so uh uh, (laughs) you know sucks to suck i guess um 
so so at Ned Donovan on on all the handles. Uh, my flagship project is a podcast called Encounter Party. We are six professional voice actors battling through an epic Dungeons and Dragons campaign written by a playwright and novelist. That's them professionally edited to focus on story and character and deliver you pure adventure in under an hour episodes. Uh, we've been featured by Nerdist, Sci-Fi, Gilding Light. We were interviewed by the official Wizards of the Coast podcast. Uh, we are currently working on some really cool stuff for the future, including a new vi- uh, like video version of our show. And uh, come check us out. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or at EncounterParty.com. Additionally, I'm the, the co-founder of Charging Moose Media. We are the producers of things like The Hunted Encore, which have been seen on this show, uh, and our podcast At the Table, a play reading series which produces new plays from emerging playwrights as audio dramas with Broadway actors. You can find that wherever you listen to podcasts. We are currently between seasons, and I have no idea when another one will exist. But there's a good back catalog for you to check out awesome that thank you and if you want to uh i don't know if you want to harass ned he's also a part of the cast junkie discord oh yeah family. come say hey yes. on discord yes yeah. so you can you can drop in and be like oh my god ned donovan i want to wear your skin like a suit i feel very weird now see that's what i'm here for we don't get those wonderful moments of Warren without Warren because Ned's incredibly knowledgeable about musical theater. You're incredibly knowledgeable about musical theater. I'm the uncultured chud. I've got to bring something to the table and awkward is what I do best. Please Skin don't wear him thing. as a suit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also Warren, uh, 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 shout out to you, but I think, uh, uh, Thank you for the compliment, but I'm 100% sure your skin looks better than mine. So, uh, <laughs> Well, I thank you, Ned. You're so welcome, boo. Thank you so much. We've really enjoyed having you on, and we look forward to the next time that we get to grace our ear holes with your wonderful voice. Absolutely. I I look forward to bringing my voice to your ear holes. Yay. Maybe other holes. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. What? (laughs) Warren, I won't talk into your butt. I say, find yourself Utah way and bring your pole and we can go and explore in some other holes. I will not be there talking about your dare holes dare. Oh my hell. (laughs) I don't know about you dare Warren, but I think that is just a little bit too far there. (laughs) (laughs) It's Warren's motto. I got him. He's also stalling because he does not want me to say what we're watching next. Oh my god, that, what are you watching next? That, that may or may not be true. Wait, I'm very excited. What are you watching next? So in order to make The <sighs> Warrens episode 100, we're doing an extra episode for the month of December. Okay. <laughs> and we almost got out of watching this because we don't have live TV, but Hulu, in all of its wisdom... uh made available on streaming the grinch musical oh no 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 okay i'm gonna stop i love that musical so many of my friends are in that musical so many of my friends have made their career on that musical i have a very soft spot in my heart for that musical don't make warren's hundredth show be that please oh no no the warrens is gonna be the hundredth uh this will be episode 98 oh okay great warren then yeah. suck it up buttercup so <laughs> so that 
okay. Okay, I, I, so we've watched it and recorded it, hasn't been released yet, but I need to know Ned's opinion about the Grinch musical. Because the musical or the production that you saw? Well, I mean, the production we saw was... A nightmare? <sighs> yes. Uh, and during the course of our recording it came up that this has to be, this has to exist better somewhere else for it to have come to NBC and been a production. So Ned, what do you know about the Grinch musical? I mean, lots. It's a, 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 a it's a beloved national tour goes out every year uh, along with the elf musical. It's usually kind of playing in tandem. Uh, it is a, it is a wonderful show that has employed a lot of people that I dearly love. And a lot of people that I know have had absolutely incredible career changing moments and personal moments within and around that show. I've never been in it. I've seen it a couple times. I'm fine on it. I don't love musicals that, that, that the point is to point out how much you loved the original. Like that doesn't really interest me usually. So adaptations I'm wary of, it either needs to make itself its own or I'm going to be annoyed. Um, but I, I don't hate the musical. I will say, honestly and truthfully, I did not care for the production that you saw. Uh, and I'll leave it at that. Okay. That, that's what I was hoping for. I was yes. hoping that the production we saw was, was an outlier and not, not the standard. It wasn't, and I say this lovingly, <laughs> It wasn't for you. Like, and I think that's something that's really hard for me to grasp around a lot is like a lot of times I see things I'm like, I didn't care for that. And I have to remember, like, I also wasn't the intended audience. Uh, I think that's true of the production you saw. Like that was pointed at a very specific subsection of America. That isn't us. <laughs> um, Fair. Do, do I think that makes it good? No. I'm just <laughs> yeah. saying, like, I, I also didn't care for it, but part of it is that I wasn't the intended audience. I have issues with some of the creative liberties that are taken using a character as a narrator and poor delivery of <laughs> rhyming lines. And, yeah, when we Kay and I talk about it, it basically boils down to we would have loved to love it, but... We didn't, <laughs> especially because I'm a big Dr. Seuss fan. Sure. A very big Dr. Seuss fan. <laughs> okay. Well, at least I'm glad to know that. I'm glad to know it exists better. It exists better elsewhere. Uh -huh. So that's, 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 uh, because somehow it's never come here. <laughs> I that's, like, that's honestly like very surprising. Yeah. At least I have never seen anything like even you tend to be on like all the notifications for when shows are coming. To... Yeah. And I've never seen, I, I saw elf here, but not the Grinch. And I don't know why. I don't know why Utah doesn't get the Grinch. Well, if anything, if, if well, you know, I know why, because Utah doesn't want to have a very diverse cast. So if that comes to Utah, they're like, what? Interracial couples? No! I mean, that was probably just the casting for the production that we saw, but... I know, I just like taking shots at the state, so... <laughs> Fuck you, Utah! Why don't you move? I can't! 
All right. So but thank you. Thank you so much, so Ned, for much. dealing yeah. with my insanity. Thank yeah. you for having me, y'all. I, 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 You took me down memory lane of a good five years and a lot of things happened in my life, like right after I did this show. And it's sort of in this weird fever dream section where I'm like, is that really it? Like, I, as I said, <laughs> I showed up in Wisconsin on a 10 week production of The Wizard of Oz at the beginning of February. And I ended up leaving at the end of July, three shows later, including Guys on Ice. So it's just sort of like this wild, like I thought I was going to be gone for two months and it turned into six very quickly that, mm -hmm. uh, uh, uh is really a fond memory for me, but this is a show that I had forgotten a lot about because I also just wasn't in it, right? So I knew it at the time, but it wasn't like ingrained in my bones. So when I left, I'd never performed the show. I never did it. Like we didn't, it was just such a different experience for me professionally. Yeah. That's just, that's so interesting. I, that's so cool though. I grew, I grew up here for that show, but uh, <laughs> one of the characters was clean shaven. So the rule was like, I kept the beard in case I went on for two of them. And if I had to go on for the third, I had to shave and then we'd figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> you shave, you save the shavings and then you can just glue them back on if you yeah, need to play. Yeah, that was a, point. that was a conversation point for sure. Spirit <laughs> gum beards are a nightmare. <laughs> Especially in the round. Yes. <laughs> All right, Ned. Well, I think that we will bid you farewell and let you go yes. enjoy your football Sunday. I'm yes. going to go watch the New England Patriots with a beer. It will not be a lining kugel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you again so much for coming on. You just, we had a great time. Yeah. So, And well, we will see the return of Ned for Dr. Horrible sing-along down yes. the road at some point. <laughs> yes, at some point. All right, so I think that that'll be it for this week, then. So, I'm Kay. I'm Warren. I'm Ned. <laughs> this has been Tone Death. <laughs>